You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. to pray. 
y'all singing with us on that? Sing it to the Lord. I've got so much to thank you for. I've got so much to thank you for. I've got so much to praise you for. You see, you see, you
one of us will fight, the other will win. <laughs> um, so today I wanted to start our, our time a little different than normal. Um, the topic for today, the, the title of my message is Our Spiritual Battle. Whether you know it or not, we go through spiritual battles. Um, we may think we face physical trials. Um, we may face difficult times in our lives. When we get saved, we often wonder why we're going through the things that we go through. Um, but it's very clear in the Bible all the way throughout that we go through very, very real spiritual battles. Now, you're going to go through a spiritual battle as you sit here and listen for the next 15, 20 minutes, because we're going to go through Joshua chapter 1 all the way through chapter 11. So bear with me. <laughs> um, now, Lord willing, we will we will hit a lot of points, and normally I, I uh, type up every word I'm going to speak, but today I, I literally have just a list of verses, but I'm just going to hit all these verses and talk about them. Because if you've read the Bible, if you've spent much time in the Bible, the Bible narrates itself. The Bible has a lot of really amazing and powerful living text. It is something you can read it, and when you're really there, when you're really spending time with God, He reveals things to you, and I've spent a lot of time in the last year in the book of Joshua, and it's just hit me in many ways, and I wanted to comb through some of the most powerful verses from chapter 1 all the way through chapter 11, while giving jo uh, Ryan some time to finish. <laughs> so chapter 1 uh, is where we're going to start, but I wanted to preface this entire thing by hitting Isaiah 41.10. He's going to put that on the screen for me. Isaiah 41.10, this is my one of my life verses. I cling to this desperately. And the book of Joshua keeps reverberating these words. It says, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee, yea. I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness when we are feeling weak. Physically, he is holding us up. When, he, when we feel weak, spiritually, he is there giving us strength. When we are helpless, he is there fighting our battles. And we're going to see that firsthand walking through Joshua and the promised land. Now, Joshua, when we get to the book of Joshua, we see the Israelites getting to a moment where their leader previously, Moses, has passed away. And now Joshua is giving a commission to go into the land that God had promised his people. When you get saved, there is a promise God has for us. And I don't have time to preach on that because that's a message all on its own. But there were battles that were necessary along the way. Yes, there's a promise when we're saved. We are saved and there is peace now that's unlike anything else. There is hope unlike anything else now. We are his forever. We, there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God. There's not a principality or power that can pull us away. We are his forever. We are sealed forever. But there are battles still. So, let's go through this battle together. Joshua, verses 1 through 9, chapter 1, verses 1 through 9, we see a promise and an appointment. And I'm going to power through these verses and talk a little bit about each of them. 
It says, Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that, Lord, that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all the people under the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. See, there's a promise. Every spot that your foot touches I've given to you already every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon verse 4 from the wilderness and this Lebanon even unto the great river the river Euphrates and the land of, of the Hittites and unto the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your coast there shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life who is against who can be against us when the Lord is with us who can be against us when the Lord is with us? This world is a, a major opposition. Satan is rampant through this world trying to pull us away and, and confuse the even elect. He's trying to pull us away and, and diminish our testimonies. But who can be against us when the Lord is with us? He said, there shall not be a man able to not stand before thee all the days of thy life as I was with Moses so I will be with thee I will not fail thee nor forsake thee I will be with thee be strong and of a good courage for unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them see God had a promise and he keeps his promises he said I will be with thee forever verse 7 only be thou strong and very courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee turn not from it this is the law. Turn not from it, he says, to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. In other words, we are spending time reading it. We are thinking about it. We are living based on this, that thou may observe and to do according to all that is written therein for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous and thou shalt have good success have not I commanded thee he said be strong and of a good courage be not afraid neither be thou dismayed for the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest you see Joshua hasn't faced the battle yet but he said all of this will be yours he reminds them two times, be strong, be courageous, be very courageous. I will be with thee and meditate in the word. Spend time with me and your way will be prosperous. That's how he starts this off. These battles that are coming, be with me and you will be successful. That means there's a battle physically that they were going to face, but not only that, it was spiritual. Spend time with me and you will be successful. Now let's go down to verse 16. Now all of Israel gets behind Joshua, and this is a very important thing for a spiritual leader to have a following, but you have to be able to lead by example, and I, I know for sure that Joshua was this example. Joshua was very close to God. Not only that, he was a very in my opinion, probably one of the best military leaders in existence because he truly followed God. And they answered Joshua saying, all that thou commandest us, we will do. And whithersoever thou sendest us, we will go according as we hearken unto Moses and all things. So we will hearken unto thee. Only the Lord thy God will be with thee 
as he was with Moses, whosoever he be that doth rebel against thy commandment and will not hearken unto thy words and all that thou commandest him, he shall be put to death, only be strong and of a good courage. See, God said, be strong and be of, be of a good courage. And now his people are also saying, be strong and be of a good courage. They were supporting him. And that's, that's a powerful thing. God gives people opportunities to follow spiritual leaders. He gives people spiritual leaders that they can follow. But spiritual leaders need some support too. We need to pray for our leaders in this country. We need to pray for our, our leaders in this state. We need to pray for our leaders in our jobs and in our church because we fight some serious spiritual battles. Satan is trying to pull this country down every step of the ladder. So we need to remind our leaders, be strong and have a good courage. We are behind you. Now I'll go into chapter 2, verses 20, or just verse 24 right there. I said we're going to fly through this, so that's what we're doing. Verse 24, And they said unto Joshua, Truly the Lord hath delivered into our hands all the land, for even all the inhabitants of the country do faint because of us. See, these two spies that Joshua had sent in, it's a serious flip between what happened prior when the 12 spies went in the first time God promised, and they doubted. Only two remain in this scenario that actually believed what God said, and now these people go in these two spies and, and talk to Rahab and get an idea of what's going on there, and they believe God. And they had courageous words, and, and they, they, they reinforced what God had said. Joshua chapter 3, verse 7, we see a miracle happening here. They had a very serious physical trial in front of them. It was the Jordan River, and this was not a small river. No, it was a time of harvest, which means it was overflowing. We can see that right here in the text. In verse 7, And the Lord said unto Joshua, This day will I begin to magnify thee in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. See, this is a major trial, but guess what, Joshua? I am with thee. Just like I said I was going to be with thee, you will have trials, and I was here with you. So now you are going to face this. All two million plus of your people, my people, are going to go through this impossible trial in front of your enemy, Jericho, and I'm going to magnify you, and I'm going to magnify myself. Now go down to verse 15 through 17. And as they that bear the ark were come unto Jordan, and the feet of the priests that bear the ark were dipped in the brim of the water, Jordan overfloweth all his banks all the time of harvest, that the waters which came down from above stood and rose up in an heap very far from the city Adam, that is, beside Zeratan and those that came down toward the sea of the plain, even the salt sea failed and were cut off, and the people passed over right against Jericho. And the priests that bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan, and all the Israelites passed over on dry ground until all the people were passed clean over Jordan. Yeah. You can read past this, but man, that is a major miracle. A river is not... <laughs> if you if you read any of the news recently, and they, they do little... Di- um, dives into the Missouri River here to see what's down there. It do, it's a matter of hours before an entire vehicle is covered with mud. There, it's, I bet if we were to dry up just sections of this river, the things that we would find would be amazing. So imagine a river that's overflowing. It's flooding at this point. It's not dry. It's muddy and murky and, and nasty. And God dried it up in a matter of seconds, the moment their feet touched it. That's a miracle. Amen. Okay? 
Now Joshua chapter 4, verse 13 through 14. Let's skip ahead a little bit. About 40,000 prepared war passed over before the Lord unto battle to the plains of Jericho. On that day, the Lord magnified Joshua, just like he said he would in the sight of all Israel. And they feared him as they feared Moses all the days of his life. So God still kept his promise. He said, I will be with thee. I will magnify thee. I am here with you. And he kept his promise. Verse 19 And the people came up out of Jordan on the tenth day of the first month and encamped in Gilgal at the east border of Jericho. We're about to see a very tough spot to be in. They just just went through a major victory getting through the Jordan, a major trial that was going to be impossible for them. They didn't have time to build a bridge or go through these things. No, they went through miraculously. Now they were at the feet of the city of Jericho, and they are going to camp there. We're going to skip down and see exactly how vulnerable they're about to be. Chapter 5, verse 1, And it came to pass when all the kings of the Amorites, which were on the side of Jordan westward, and all the kings of the Canaanites, which were by the sea, heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of Jordan from before the children of Israel until we were passed over, that their heart melted, neither was their spirit in them anymore because of the children of Israel. That right there is a grace on Israel because they are about to be extremely vulnerable The city there saw what happened. These people heard what God just did, and they are now terrified. Which was the grace that Israel needed, because if they were not terrified, then they would have been overtaken here in the next few verses. So God gives us protection. He says, I will be with thee. I will fight for you, and I will protect you. I will give you strength when you need it. And now we're about to see how he does that here. Verse 2 through 5, At that time the Lord said unto Joshua, Make these sharp knives and circumcise again the children of Israel for the second time. And Joshua made him sharp knives and circumcised the children of Israel at the hill of the foreskins. And this caused why Jordan did circumcise. All the people that came out of Egypt were males. Even all the men of war died in the wilderness, by the way, after they came out of Egypt. Now all the people that came out were circumcised. But all the people that were born in the wilderness, by the way, as they came forth out of Egypt, they came, or they, or them they had not circumcised. See, they did not follow God's commandments when they left Egypt because they were still worldly at that point. They were carnal. They were still his people. That didn't change anything. But that now they were living in the wilderness. They didn't trust God, and they didn't follow certain things that God had commanded them to do. This was a pledged a commitment to God by doing these things, being circumcised. And now God says, I need you to do this again. All these people that have that were following me died away. You are what's left, and I need a new commitment from you. So now they are in the front of Jericho, in the plain of Jericho, and they are going to do some medical procedures, and now they are going to be completely incapacitated. All of their mighty force incapacitated before Jericho. That is a hard decision to make as a people. Verse 8 through 9. And it came to pass when they had done circumcising all the people that they abode in their places in the camp till they were whole. In other words, it took time for them to heal. And the Lord said unto Joshua, This day have I rolled away the reproach of Egypt from off of you. Wherefore, the name of the place is called Gilgal unto this day. See, they made a new commitment to God. 
They spent time doing what God asked them to do, and now the reproach of the world is off of them, and he's about to do a mighty work through them. It's important to renew our vows to God. It's important to recommit ourselves. When the altar is open, we come and we pray, Lord, I have messed up, but I am here again today to be your servant. Verse 10 through 12, And the children of Israel encamped in Gilgal and kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month at even in the plains of Jericho. And they did eat of the old corn of the land on the morrow after the Passover, unleavened cakes and the parched corn. And the selfsame day, I did not want to pass over this. Okay, pun there intended. (laughs) But they ate of the old corn of the land. Now they were no longer being fed by God. Now they are partaking in the goods that they were promised in the land they were promised to take. They were now eating off the land they were given. They haven't conquered it yet, but now they get to enjoy the food. I bet when you're traveling and you're eating snacks and beef jerky for a long time, you get home and you eat some real food, (laughs) it is refreshing. This is what's happening for them. Forty years of eating manna every single day for every single meal. Now they are being provided some amazing. Go back to when they first encountered this land in the Canaan land and saw the grapes. And the other food that was there, now they are partaking in that. Joshua 5.13, all the way through chapter 6, verse 2. And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and looked and behold. Now this right here is why I know this is a spiritual battle, okay? This hit me in in a way that I'd never understood before and it paints a new picture for who Jesus is, who's fighting with us, okay? And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho. I imagine as a leader, he went out when it was very early in the morning to go look at what he was about to, to encounter, what plan he might do to, to fight this battle, to win this victory for his people. And he was overwhelmed by it. And he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, there stood a man over against him with a sword drawn in his hand, and Joshua went up to him and said unto him, Art thou for us or for our adversaries? And he said, Nay, but as captain of the host of the Lord, I am now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship and said unto him, What saith my Lord unto his servant? And the captain of the Lord's host said unto Joshua, Loose thy shoes. From off thy foot, for the place whereon thou standest is holy, and Joshua did so. I'll read the next two verses here in a second, but who is the Lord or the captain of, of the Lord's entire army here? This is Jesus. He is not the Jesus that we picture in the New Testament, clothed in white robes and, and uh, a scruffy beard and walking through calmly and healing people. No. He is sword in hand, fully clad in armor. I imagine that if you watch the Marvel movies and you look at Thor, that's not even anything compared to what God was dressed in this day. He is standing there before Jericho, waiting for Joshua to walk up to see him and to let him know, guess what? This battle is not yours alone. I am here like I said I would be here. And now this entire spiritual army that I'm leading is with you, Joshua. He is a mighty warrior fighting a spiritual battle for us. And we are about to see as we comb through the rest of these next six chapters quickly that Jesus is there fighting a serious spiritual battle with his people. And it's exciting to know that he's the same spiritual leader fighting these battles with us today. 
Now, chapter 6, verse 1, Now Jericho was straightly shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out, and none came in. And the Lord said unto Joshua, See, I have given into thy hand Jericho, and the king thereof, the mighty men of valor. He hasn't yet started the battle, but Jesus just said, This I have given you, Joshua. Read your Bible, and he gives us these same promises. Let's come down to verse 27, chapter 6, verse 27. So the Lord was with Joshua, and his fame was noised throughout all the country. I'm skipping ahead, but guess what? They defeated Jericho in a major way, and only a way that God was able to do it. They marched around and, and, and blasted some trumpets and went home every day. A spiritual or a, a veteran military leader would not have thought of that. But because Jesus had said, do this, he did it right away. Let's keep reading. All the way through verse 5 of the next chapter. But the children of Israel committed a trespass. Joshua followed God, but now we see that the children of Israel committed a trespass. See, our spiritual, our spiritual walk is not always perfect. We do fall. We do get tempted. We do have tricks and things that come our way that pull us away, that tempt us, that cause us to sin against our Lord. So let's see what happened here. They did a trespass in the accursed thing. For Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took of the accursed thing, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against the children of Israel. And Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is the next spot they were going to attack, which is beside Bethel, or Bethaven, on the east side of Bethel, and spake unto them, saying, Go up and view the country. And the men went up and viewed Ai, and they returned to Joshua and said unto him, Let not all the people go up, but let about two or three thousand men go up and smite I, and make not all the people to labor thither, for they are but few. So now they're, they're, the people that he, he sent to go spy this area said, we don't need to send that many people. See, I think that at this point, their minds were not completely wholly set on what God had to say and looked at the physical that was in front of them, had pride in what they had just accomplished thinking maybe they had something to do with it. So now they have an overconfidence. And the men of I smote them, about 30 and 6 men. See, Joshua didn't go to God and say, Lord, is this right? Should I do this? No, he just accepted what was physically in front of him and sent men to, of I. They smote them, about 30 and 6 men, and they chased them from before the gate, even unto Shebarim, and smote them in the going down where... For the hearts of the people melted and became as water, and Joshua rent his clothes and fell to the earth upon his face for the ark of the Lord until the eventide he and the elders of Israel and put dust upon their heads. And Joshua said, Alas, O Lord God, wherefore hast thou at all brought this people over Jordan to deliver us under the hand of the Amorites to destroy us? Would to God we be content and dwelt on the other side of Jordan? It would have been better for us to stay there than to go through this, Lord, for them to look at you as less than, than who you are. O Lord, what shall I say when Israel turneth their backs before their enemies? He was dumbfounded, but he didn't go to God. We forget to go to God sometimes. And then we wonder why we're, we're dealing with a trial. 
Verse 13, the Lord said, Up, sanctify the people and say, Sanctify yourselves against tomorrow. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, There is an accursed thing in the midst of thee, O Israel. Thou canst not stand before thine enemies until you take away the accursed thing from among you. There is a sin in your life that needs to be taken care of if you are going to see victory and claim the promise I've given you. So you need to sanctify yourself. Go down to verse 25 and 26. And Joshua said to Achan, Why hast thou troubled us? The Lord shall trouble thee this day. And all Israel stoned him with stones and burned them with fire after they had stoned them with the stones. And they raised over him a great heap of stones and unto this day. So the Lord turned from his fierceness of his anger. Wherefore, the name of that place was called the Valley of Achor unto this day. They took care of this sin. So now let's see what happens. Verse 1 of the next chapter. And the Lord said unto Joshua, Fear not. Here he is again. You've taken care of the sin. We are right together again. We are now complete with each other. Fear not. Neither be thou dismayed. Take all the people of war with thee and arise. Go up to I. See, I have given into thy hand the kings of I and his people in his city and his land. When it's something that the Lord said, then it will be done. When it's something the people said, then you're going to fail. Unless the Lord is behind it. They did it God's way. Go to eight, chapter, or verse 3. Chapter 8, verse 3. So Joshua arose. And all the people of war. He, at this point, their hearts melted, remember. They were afraid. They were terrified. They were distraught. They were depressed at this point. The Lord said, go, I'm with you. Verse 3, so Joshua arose. And all the people of war to go up against I. And Joshua chose out 30,000 mighty men of valor and sent them away by night. Now they were going, and I am taking all of his time. <laughs> I'm looking at the time here. <clears throat> Wrap, it up Wrap it up in two minutes. Got it. Okay. Chapter 10. get to where I want to be. Hold on. Nope. Okay. They kept fighting. I'm going to I'm going to catch you up on these next two chapters. There were some major forces that came against them. Joshua trusted God. They won some battles. Now there's other sections, other people that are hearing about these battles. They are now seriously afraid of Israel. So they all come together. They all gather together. And they had victory. Go to chapter 11. Sorry about that. And it came to pass when Jabin, king of Hazor had heard all these things that he sent to Jobab, king of Modan, and so on and so forth. Verse 4, And they went out, they and all their hosts, in other words, all these nations gathered together in the Canaan land, all of them with much people, even as the sand that is upon the seashore in multitude, with horses and chariots very many. Now the trial is worse than anything Joshua and Israel has ever faced. It is insurmountably difficult. There's a major host, the same that if you were to spend the rest of your life counting the 
every single sand on that shore. That's how many people came against Israel at this point. And now we see, And the Lord said unto Joshua, Be not afraid because of them, for tomorrow about this time will I deliver them up, all slain before Israel. Thou shalt hew their horses and burn their chariots with fire. So Joshua came, all of his people with war, with him against them by the waters of Merim suddenly, and they fell upon them. See, it was, jo- it was the Lord that said, I will do this. This is impossible, and I will do it. Follow me. And Joshua did it. He just went, and he did what the Lord said, and now they were wiped out. Chapter 11, verse 15, and this is my final verse. So as the Lord commanded Moses, his servant, so did Moses command Joshua, and so did Joshua. He left nothing undone of all that the Lord commanded Moses. He was faithful to God. He was there as God had commanded him to do. And there were some downfalls and there were some trials. When he didn't listen to God, they failed. But then he corrected that and he fought uh, with God and God was there the entire time fighting some major battles. And yes, in our life we will have some major battles, but God is always with us. He said, I will never leave thee. Put Isaiah 41.10. I will never forsake thee. When you are weak, I will hold you up. I will give you strength when you cannot stand. I will lift you and we will win this together. He said, be not afraid, be not dismayed. I am your Lord and I am here forever. We have a spiritual battle, but guess what? We're not alone. That was my two minutes. <laughs> Amen. Amen. All right, Matthew 4. Matthew 4. Matthew is in the New Testament, so we're going to get out of the Old Testament. Matthew 4, uh, just after Genesis, just before Revelation, is Matthew 4. I want to welcome the Van Z family and uh, not, not embarrass them, but they're, uh, the family just over here. I want to thank them for their faithfulness that they were in the bus ministry with me. Uh, Eric was the bus driver for many, many years. Um, and sitting here, Eric Van Zee, the bus driver, and I have good memories of us um, being on the bus together. And man, cold days and hot days like today. Hot days like today. We were on a bus uh, with, yeah, the AC was on, but it was pretty non-existent, <laughs> as you might think. And I want to thank uh, Deanna, his wife, uh, she was our bus secretary slash, hey, it was fun to play with the kids. I remember playing uh, rock, paper, scissors, play, singing different songs. I was hit so many times with a slug bug. I think those kids were watching, watching, and boom! And they, they hit me. They, they wouldn't hit her because she's too sweet. And, uh, but anyway, uh, I, just, I always think of that when I see the Van Zee family. Man, I think of Colin because uh, their son was like this tall when I was on the bus. And then I go to college and like nothing changes. And I come back and dude's this tall. And uh, it kind of hurts me. It kind of hurts my feelings. But I uh, um, love the Van Zee family. Just wanted to welcome them here. Matthew 4.18. Matthew 4.18. And uh, thank you for your faithfulness. I just wanted to be clear with that. Um, I, think, I think we ought to thank people uh, when they prove themselves to be faithful. And uh, that's why I said what I said. Matthew 4, 18. I'm sorry, did I say 18? Matthew 4, 18. Matthew 4, 18. The Word of God says, And Jesus, uh, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he said unto them, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. 
And they straightway, they left their nets, and they followed him. And going on from thence, he saw other two brethren, two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the ship with Zebedee, their father, mending their necks, fixing their necks, and they called them, and they immediately left the ship. He called them, and they immediately left the ship and their father and followed him. And uh, I want to stop there. So we read in our Bibles of two sets of brothers, uh, two sets of brothers that were fishermen. Jesus walks on the beach and says, drop your nets and follow me. Let's dive into the story very quickly and grab a little bit more detail. Uh, I want to make some assumptions. I'm careful not to fill in, you know, the the Bible doesn't really say that. But uh, I'm careful not to do that. But I want to make a, a few assumptions and One of them is that this was probably the family business. Uh, This was the family business. In other words, it's how they made a living. It's how they survive. They probably did not attend school. So their upbringing was being trained on how to be a fisherman. So from a little boy, I like to imagine, fantasize, daydream a little bit. From a little boy, you might say eight years old, they were out on the boat with dad learning how to sail, learning how to, how to watch the water and watch the waves and, and learning how to swim, uh, learning where the fish are at, learning how to cast the net, learning how to bring the net back in, learning how to bring the fish in, and you can go so on and so on and so on and so on. Like, this is what they know. This is their trade. And if they had a last name, like, let's say Anderson, this is what the Andersons do. We are fishermen. Uh, and, and maybe they didn't have last names. So remember, when Jesus walks on the beach and he says, guys, drop your nets and follow me, he was asking them to drop everything they had ever known and been trained for. Okay? Secondly, something I want you to know about Jesus at this time, he really hasn't proven himself to, the, to be the Messiah publicly. And I, I, I need to be careful and particular with what I say. But for the last 30 years, Jesus has been a normal, quiet, average person. Really nothing to tell anyone this is in fact God in the flesh. Nothing really. And I remember in the Bible, if you read later on in Matthew, somebody says, is this not Jesus born born in Bethlehem? Like, is this not just the son of Joseph and Mary? And, and Jesus was performing miracles, and people were wondering at him. They were like, isn't this just, just Jesus? Like, just the average, normal, the past 30 years, Jesus? Like, not a big deal, Jesus? Uh, like, eh? and And so, I think, I think you know that, what I'm saying. <laughs> like, so, anyway... Uh, and, and yes, he had an, an immaculate birth, and John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God, and pointed to Jesus. But at this time, his ministry really hasn't started yet. But uh, in, in the college that I went to and in, and in the teaching that I've had, uh, people say that Jesus' public ministry started when he called these brothers and said, Follow me. Uh, and, and if you want to argue with that, we can talk another time. But um, from what I was taught, Jesus' public ministry started here, or the other argument is his baptism. But anyway, uh, anyway, we can move on from that. 
So what I'm saying is, number one, they had to drop everything they'd ever known, their career, their future, and so on. Number two, uh, they had to have a lot of faith because Jesus really isn't somebody. He's just the son of Joseph and Mary. He's not really. He, at this time, he hasn't proven himself to be the Messiah. Number one, drop everything. Number one, drop everything. And I'm reading from the verse, and they straightway, they left their nets and they followed him. That was the first set of brothers. The second set of brothers, and immediately they left the ship and their father, and they followed him. Here's what it tells me. In order to completely follow Jesus, I might have to drop a few things. I might have to drop a few things. When these guys dropped their nets, they were dropping a stable income, future plans that they had all along. From a child. This is what the family does. This is what we do. We're fishermen. And they had to drop plans, drop future plans, drop an income. They were dropping the comfort of their home and their families. Because why I'm saying that is because their dad, Zebedee, was with them. So they were dropping dad. (laughs) I'm glad my dad's not here. He would not be happy with that. Remember... One of the brothers, uh, remember, one of the pair of brothers was with their dad. I I wrote that down. Uh, Zebedee, they were mending their nets. In the Christian life, if you are a true follower of God, you will have to drop some things. Some things will need to be dropped. And this reminds me of Hebrews 12, 1. Wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses... Let us lay aside, drop every weight. Let us lay aside every weight. You, you know this verse. And the sin that so easily besets us. I need to drop some things. I need to lay down the weight of some things. So, I think uh, you'll need to drop the weight of sin. But dropping the weight of sin, I think, is one of the most obvious things I could say this morning. Yes. Yeah, we're in church dropping the weight of sin. You know, pretty classic, Ryan. Nothing really I haven't heard before. So, okay, and and sometimes this is the way I think. But um, back to the story. What did they drop? Well, I already mentioned this. It was their nets. It was their livelihood. It was their income, their career in this case. Let's stop here. Uh, It is no sin to be a fisherman. No sin. No sin to be a fisherman. So what you may need to know is in order to follow God and have a closer walk with God, yes, not only do I obviously need to drop sin, but um, could it be some other things too that that aren't sinful? Because what goes on in my mind is like, God, this thing is not sinful. Why are you asking me to drop this? This thing that is keeping me From a closer and more perfect and better walk with you, this isn't sinful, but I have to drop this too. God just doesn't want me to have any fun. And sometimes I'm just saying, like, these are the thoughts that go in my mind. But could it be now uh, I'll be I'll be preaching. I'll be preaching this sermon on on Wednesday in, in Brookings, South Dakota, by the way. Could it be to teenagers? That you might have to, for example, uh, is it your relationship with a boyfriend or a girlfriend? And I know that most of us might be married in here, but let me talk to some teenagers. Uh, 
Could it be? Is my boyfriend or girlfriend bringing me closer to Jesus or not? Are they bringing me closer to Jesus or not? And could it be that to have a closer and more better walk with the Lord, I might have to drop a relationship? Ooh, that is asking a lot. It's asking a lot. So if I could relate to people who are married, uh, I've had to drop some friendships in my life. And and Abby agrees. Um, I've had to drop some friendships. When I think, is Joe bringing me closer to Jesus or not? Joe's not. I'm going to have to, I might have to just kind of keep Joe at a distance, maybe. He's not bringing me closer to the Lord. He's not encouraging me closer. And so those are things what I'm saying. But hold on. Uh, but don't hold on to something that might be holding you back from a better, more, po- more perfect walk with your Savior. Uh, do you possibly, uh, I, I need to be very careful with what I say, do you possibly need to drop your job if it is keeping you from a better and more perfect walk with Christ? Is it sinful to have a job? No. No, it's not. But if my job is keeping me from Jesus, now we've, now we've got an issue. Do you need... Um, I'm sorry, I, I was reading. For, for dropping our job... Um, I am not singling anybody out. I'm not looking at anybody specifically. Again, this sermon is written for teenagers on Wednesday. But, um, you know, I, I want to go to the Lord and say, God, this is my income. This is my job. And uh, they require me to work on Sunday. They require me. I might have to work on Wednesday nights. And God, uh, if I give this to you, would you give me a better job that doesn't require me to work on Sundays? That doesn't require me to work on Wednesday nights? And maybe I need to have a better, more perfect walk with you. Because I know, <laughs> I feel like I'm asking a lot here. You just asked me to drop my relationship? That's a lot. You just asked me to possibly drop my income? My career? And if you read the Bible, Jesus said, guys, drop your nets, follow me. That's what Jesus asked. He asked, guys, drop your nets. It, and he asked that to do that. So let me quickly continue. Uh, number two, number one, drop everything. Number two is pick up faith. Drop everything. Pick up faith. As mentioned above this point, Jesus Uh, really hasn't proven himself to anybody, and he's certainly not proven himself to be God, the flesh, the Messiah. So when Jesus walks on the beach and says, follow me, they drop their nets and they picked up faith. You know our Bible, uh, oh, (laughs) you know that our Bible doesn't say their vocal reaction. I talked to Matt uh, about this, about when uh, Abraham and Isaac went up the hill, and I said, you know, I wonder what Abraham said. What was his reaction? He didn't really react. And Matt said, well, he did react. He grabbed his supplies and went up the hill. And I said, yeah, yeah. So the disciples, uh, these four brothers, uh, what was their reaction? And I I thought of some things. Again, I like to daydream and fantasize sometimes. And Jesus, where are we going? How long are we going to be there? Do you have some food? Do Do I need to bring a fruit snack? Do you have some water? 
Uh, where are we going? Are we going here? Uh, oh, I'm from there. And uh, there's my, my friend's house. And, and I can imagine, and I can also imagine how Zebedee, their dad, was, was thinking. Uh, well, see, I, but see you guys. Uh, just, I just trained you your whole life to do this thing, but good luck. And, and Jesus, when are you coming back? What? Three years. Whoa! <laughs> you know, because they followed Jesus for the next three years. It's like, oh, I, just, I was just thinking a week or two. But uh, I, need, I need my boys. My boys need to finish their, do their fishing business. But, uh, but uh, I, th- these things made me laugh. I need to go back. Uh, step one, drop everything. That's very difficult. Where, where is God taking me? Jesus, what do you have planned for my life? Because, boy, do I want to know. I want to know. And when I was a young man, hey, I want to know. What do you have planned for my life? And then... For some reason, Jesus just didn't tell me the, the outline plan. And, and today, as I stand right now, Jesus doesn't have me planned with the next uh, everything of my life. I, I, and that is walking by faith. <laughs> so here we are. Uh, drop everything. That's, you're asking a lot. The, uh, and I hope it's not Ryan. I hope it's the Holy Spirit. You're asking a lot. And I'm praying that you pick up then pick up faith. So th- this is very difficult. I'm willing to do this, but not to do that. I'm willing to go here, but not to go there. And I'm willing to have this conviction, this conviction and this standard, but not this one. These plain fishermen just had to have faith. They had to. And what does it take to drop things at Jesus' feet? <clears throat> faith. Jesus, my relationship is not a good one. Very quickly, y'all, very quickly. I, I know what time it is. Jesus... Uh, my, my relationship might not be a good one, but if I give this to you, will you either fix my relationship or help me get out of the relationship I'm in? Okay? So, Jesus, my job, it requires me to work on Sunday. I've been missing the meeting in your house. I've been missing Wednesday nights. And, and, and Lord, this is my income. This is my career. If I give this to you and drop this at your feet, like the men drop their nets, God, will you give me a better, more perfect job? I'll just, I just have to have faith that you'll do that. I want to I end with this. There are people in this room that can tell you what they had to drop in order to follow Jesus. I'm not just talking about money, but uh, you can talk to our pastor, Pastor Jesse. Say, Jesse, you know... Uh, what was your life like and before you had to follow Jesus and the great plans you had and how much money you were going to make doing this, that, and the other? And then you decided to come to Pierce, South Dakota, and then Elk Point, South Dakota. When everybody told you the South is so much better and that's where the sweet tea flows and, and that's where you got to be. And, uh, and talk, to the, talk to Brady Rochester. Say, wouldn't it be nice to just have a, a normal life, a nine-to-five you know, no, think about that. <laughs> they have to be at a different church every Sunday and uh, serving the Lord, serving the Lord. And uh, wouldn't you just, I mean, what did you have to drop at Jesus' feet? Say, God, you know, hey, hey, whoa, whoa. Diesel prices are at like five bucks. Hey, God, God, diesel prices are at like five bucks. But Lord, uh, I'm just going to drop this at your feet. And I'm going to pick up faith. All right, I need to finish there. Let's get ready for church this morning. Let's have a heart of worship as we sing.
And uh, Lord, thank you for Sunday school. Thank you for Trey you. And thank you for the spiritual batter that we go through. I pray that you bless us today and uh, help us to remember to bless those around us. In Jesus' name, amen. I'll let you go two seconds, but I just got to stop and say wow and praise the Lord. Amen. Isn't it awesome to think about, uh, number one, the, the preachers that this church has produced, tremendous preachers, and then uh, Ryan coming in, and it's just awesome. Uh, man, I just want to see, uh, you know, in the next 11 years, I want to see another uh, four or five, wouldn't that be wonderful, surrender to preach, surrender to the mission field, whatever it may be. Man, you guys, I'm so proud of y'all. Appreciate you letting the Lord use you this morning. All right, greeters, uh, if y'all wouldn't mind getting at it, and uh,